Hello and welcome to God's Word During Exile. That's what we're calling ourselves still, right? Or no? Yeah, hasn't changed. All right, sweet. God's Word During Exile, we're here and we're happy that you're here with us. Welcome back. Hopefully your summer was great. Maybe you caught up uh, on your Revelation study that we were doing uh, that lasted 80 plus episodes. So if you made it all the way through, bravo. And still Uh, no intro music. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Still no intro music. Still no intro music. Uh, Nick Joyelle, you're, come on, dude. I watch you live all the time on Instagram. Hook us up. Give us some intro music. So anyway, you'll notice usually there's four of us, uh, Mike Hussey and Ben Baker and uh, Matt Nelson over here. Uh, But today there's five of us. Uh, This is Jason Goodham over here. You should know him already. If you're not sure of him. um, You should not be sure of me for any reason whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, did, did he just guess all those right? He got them all right. What? 100%. Did I really? <laughs> yeah. Did. It only took you how long? 80 episodes. Wait, guys, we're, well, plus we're the James so, episode. Oh, wait a I forgot the confetti bag. in my hat and the kazoo. And it's only downhill wow. from here. I, <laughs> were we uphill I, to I begin with? Like, you know that episode yeah. where, you know that Seinfeld episode where George Costanza just like leaves on a high note all the time? I feel like that's what I should do. I should just sign off and just be like, I'm out. I did it. That's it. Everything's but then I coming wouldn't up get to hear house. Jason. And that's what I'm really here to hear is Jason. And so, uh, Jason, welcome in. He is our uh, avid uh, Nicolas Cage fanboy. And so we're happy to have you here. <laughs> um, if you have any questions about Nicolas Cage, be sure to drop them in the comments. And I'm sure that Jason would love uh, to answer them for you. Um, also... Jason, since we have you here, over under us finishing this catechism study in under 70 episodes. Oh, I'll take the over on that. <laughs> That's wise. You're a wise I'm man, not, Jason. I'm, I'm not even confident you're going to be through the creed at 70 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. Oh, <laughs> and so well, we're uh, supposed to be done studying the catechism by a certain point in our life, right? Well, we yeah. have a that's the point in your life. Seven, you we have a seven episode arc for each of the commandments, so we'll just be getting through the commandments. Yeah, there you go. 70. Perfect, perfect <laughs> number. Well, and we are doing shorter form episodes this year, so it might be <laughs> we maybe are, instead okay. of seventy, you should have said one hundred and forty, Natal. Yeah, probably. I can't <laughs> handle that kind of pressure. Maybe. <clears throat> oh man. All right. Um, okay, so anyway, so uh, Jason's here. He's going to be our guest. We're happy that he's here. And I'm going to pass it off to Mike Hussey, and uh, he's going to take lead. All right. Sounds good. Uh, ben, will you open us up in prayer, and then we'll uh, we'll get to our topic for the day. Sure. Well, Father, thanks for another day that you've given to us, and just ask that you bless our uh, time together talking about uh, catechesis and instruction, uh, teaching people your word and uh just ask that it would be a fruitful conversation in your name we pray amen 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 all right so you may remember oh oh i'm sorry i i I stepped on top of that natal i forgot that you throw that in there every time ben does anything good i mean i have to get it in because like we've had a summer off so i'm just gonna Gif as much as I can. Thanks be to God. Almost everything. And hey, we're back. Baby. Excellent. 
Excellent. It's, like right. the reunion, so, it's the reunion episode no one asked for. Hundred percent. That's like every episode. Well, if you guys made it to the end of Revelation, you would have caught our uh, our announcement that our next plan is to travel through the catechisms. Um, so we're going to be doing that today. And so we have Jason on as a very special guest because he is the, uh, I'm just going to declare it, the AFLC's leading expert in the small catechism. Boom. Canon. You're going to take, take it? it back. Have to. I was just well, proud enough to be large and small catechism. Large and I, small catechism. Yeah, I might say I'm I'm probably the leading expert in the large catechism, but uh, we have a significant amount of people that think we reject the large catechism. I think. So. <laughs> oh, just oh yeah, because the AFLC is kind of like the the Church of the Lutheran Brother, and where that's it's Augsburg Confession and small catechism officially accepted, um, but yep. that doesn't mean we reject the rest of it. We right. still love the you Book can of get Concord. Nice little leather bound large and small catechisms. So yeah, both. Handy. That's nice. That's nice. I need to get one of those. So Ben is the AALC's leading expert. (laughs) Or at least he has a lot of books. Well, no offense to Ben, but as long as Jordan Cooper exists, Jordan's the leading expert in the AALC on literally anything. So (laughs) (laughs) sorry. Sorry. Well, there's some great, great folks in each of our groups. It'd be, uh, That'd be a big thing to be the leading guy. So, so I, I yeah. guess that's one question we could jump to. Ben, in the AALC, do you guys officially accept the entire Book of Concord, or is it more of a limited official acceptance, like like us? Uh, it's it's the entire. It started out with a smaller subscription, but it was amended to include the entirety of the Book of Concord. You guys have moved to Book <clears throat> of Concord Plus now, larger subscription service. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Fifteen bucks a month, you get all of the confessions. <laughs> it's only but, seventeen ninety nine. Don't round it up. Yeah. But all of our seminaries teach the whole book of Concord, and and we accept it. We just, I think it was a different approach, kind of looking at like the more simple summaries of all of that information as our our statement of faith or that we would take vows to or expect people to be familiar with them and be able to say, I hold to that. So it's not any rejection of the rest of it. So we've especially got Jason on today, not just because he's the AFLC's leading expert in the large catechism, but because he recently uh, finished his doctorate. He's now Dr. Reverend Dr. Jason Goodham and his major applied project at the end of that process had to do with with catechesis um, and the use of the small catechism within the church. So, uh, Jason, do you want to start off and just unpack that word catechesis? That might be strange for some of our listeners' ears. And then just give us kind of a flyover of, of what you did in your major applied project. Sure. Do uh, you understand... Uh... Part of the problem with catechesis is it needs better branding because everything is just named after the catechism. Uh, so... Uh, catechism comes from a Greek word used in the Bible, uh, and it's where we get the word echo from. The Greek word is katecho, and it means to sound back and forth, which where you get the idea of echo. In, in the idea of the catechetical method, 
is that you ask a question to someone who's learning about the faith and they respond with a specific answer. And so uh, contrary to American, uh, generic American Christian Bible studies where the method is let's read a verse and then ask someone what they think about it. Uh, the catechetical method implies that there is a proper content and use for our faith. And so my my final project in my doctorate was on adult catechesis and, and the idea that catechesis provides us with the language we need to operate as Christians in the real world. So the, I think the final the title of my final paper was called Catechesis, Cognition and Application for the Christian Life. Um, this is an example of what you're talking about, Jason. So there's this book, Summary of the Christian Faith, which is you know, a book on doctrine, right? <clears throat> and the way that it's organized is it's a series of questions and answers. So that's that's what you're you're yep. getting at with that. So there's a, you know, a question is asked, and then there's a particular answer that that you're looking for. So you're you are being, um, you're not left on your own to come up with the answer. You are being taught the faith. Like here's a question. This is the the answer, and that's how you learn the faith. That's that's what you're talking about. With, yeah, and with that. that's reflected in the content of the small catechism. Like right away when you crack open the small catechism, your first question is, "What's the first commandment?" Uh, you know, we should, you shall have no other gods before me. And then Luther immediately writes, what does this mean? And the correct answer is we should fear, love, and trust God above all things. And so the whole catechism follows that pattern. And then every ethnic Lutheran tradition uh, has expanded on the catechism with their own uh, series of questions and answers. So uh, the German catechism, there is, uh, if you have the LCMS catechism, there's Oh, several hundred questions about application for the Christian life. Uh, in the Scandinavian traditions, uh, we we generally build on uh, a 18th century pastor by the name of Eric Pontopoden. He kind of formulated the catechism for the Scandinavian traditions, and then it goes from there. But the, the entire idea is that you need to teach the content of the faith before you can teach living out the faith. Mm-hmm. So if you're uh, familiar at all with the catechism, that most likely came during your confirmation years, which is generally seventh and eighth grade. I know we do it sixth, seventh and eighth here at, at SLB in Sydney. Um, but your, your, uh, your map focused more on catechesis of adults. Um, what did you kind of learn? Like, how do you go about catechizing adults? What does that practically look like? Well, for for me and for my personal context in my congregation here in South Minneapolis, it literally meant re-walking through the catechism uh, in a formal manner. Uh, you know, you guys have talked about my podcast before, Being Lutheran, that I co-host with a couple of my friends. And that and t- the content of that podcast is taken from a Sunday school series, an adult Sunday school series that I wrote for my congregation, where we walked article by article through uh, the entire content of the Book of Concord, but we started with the catechisms. And it's uh, confirmation, especially uh, in American Lutheran contexts, is something that has been corrupted to be the last thing we have to do with preteens and teenagers before they graduate to youth group and we hope they just don't walk away from the church and the 
teaching the elementary principles or the fundamental principles or the basics of the faith uh, has kind of, we kind of move away from that for adults because we think we should be more mature or have graduated beyond that. And that's not what scripture teaches. And it is to our detriment that we do not have adults in our congregations that can formally confess the faith based on the content of scripture. So this kind of approach questions answers on would presuppose then there is an objective body of doctrine, right? And I think that's important because, you know, in, in our American context, so much is subjective and, and what I believe, you know, what people believe so often is just um, how I feel or, you know, just whatever I come up with, but we're saying, you know, especially with, you know, giving specific answers, we're saying, no, it's, this isn't something that is subjective to you. Like this is objective truth. There is actually a body of doctrine. There is something called the faith that has specific content and Christians need to know that content. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple things that you wove together there that probably should be unpacked. But first is that the idea that the faith, uh, there's a content to our faith. That's an entirely scriptural uh, position Uh, that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You can look up a passage like Deuteronomy six, four through nine, which is, you know, formally in in Hebrew culture known as the Shema. And uh, that talks about how we have to pass the faith onto our kids and the faith comes from who God is and what God has done in scripture. Uh, the, the distinction, especially in new Testament Greek is that faith is, uh, both something, the act of believing, but there's also the faith. So like, if you go to Jude, the early verses of Jude, it says contend for the faith or, or Paul, Uh, teaches Timothy, you need to pass on the faith to the next generations. And there's a content to that. And and the whole idea of that is what the idea of orthodoxy is built off of, is that there are things that are inbounds for our faith, and there are things that are out of bounds for our faith. And uh, why this matters in American Christianity, especially, and maybe it's just modern Christianity around the world, I can't speak to other cultures and contexts. But in American Christianity, uh, the distinction between objective and subjective justification has first been blurred and then it's been corrupted. So objective justification is the universal truth that Jesus Christ's death and resurrection atones for the sins of the whole world for all time. It's just the reality that is always true for everyone. Right. And much has been made in American Christianity, mostly thanks to guys like Charles Finney and D.L. Moody, Uh, of subjective justification where there's that emphasis on that personal faith but but what's happened is we've slipped into a postmodern and then a post-christian culture is that personal faith has been co-opted by private faith and so when someone talks about having a personal faith what they're really talking about is my own private experience of faith and when it devolves to that level you can't communicate about the faith with any other Christian on a functional basis. There's no way to do it because no two people have the same exact experience. I think you stumped us all, Jason. You're stuck thinking about that now. Good work. <laughs> but no, it's but it but it is interesting 
you know, exactly what, what you're saying there, because we might, we, you know, we could see this even in just using words like, like faith or, or grace or, you know, what have you. And we, we might have one idea in mind or something we're trying to communicate and somebody else is thinking about those using that's those same terms, but thinking something completely different. Yep. And so, and so if we don't find out, what do you mean by that? You know, we, we end up talking past each other because I have one idea in mind and someone else has another idea in mind. Well, and so there, there's a double-edged sword with that. I mean, on the level you're talking about uh, grace and faith and sanctification, Mormons use those terms and Jehovah's Witnesses use those terms, and Roman Catholics use those terms, and Lutherans use those terms, and Baptists use those terms, and uh, they may all mean completely different things. And so you have to define that. But beyond that, you have it morphed into, when people talk about my personal Savior, it, it often means we get to decide who Jesus is as my Savior. Or 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 you, you get an even more common phraseology, uh, like you have someone say, Jesus might be your Lord, but is he your savior? And it's like, mm -hmm. suddenly you get to elect Jesus to a position based on your own personal behavior. And it just completely mm -hmm. denies the universality of what Jesus has done. Oh, there's so many great ways to turn the gospel into law, aren't there? To turn the grace of God into something that we can do or accomplish. We're so nope. good at it. And so when you're saying that there's a problem with people being uncatechized. We're also talking about essentially biblical illiteracy, right? Yep. And, and because the catechism is, you know, by the way, we're talking specifically about Luther's small and large catechisms. And um, there are other catechisms out there, Catholic catechism, the Heidelberg I think catechism and there, anyway, there's other ones by other church groups that have done this as well. But uh, essentially the goal is to, to go over the foundational teachings of the scriptures in summary. Um, and, and the, this catech catechism is meant to help us be biblically literate. Correct. Yeah. And it's a better way of thinking about biblical literacy. Like, the way Americans think about biblical illiteracy, and especially the Christian or the quasi-Christian survey companies, you know, like Pew Research or Barna or anyone like that, when they talk about biblical illiteracy, they're almost always talking about trivia. And so you'll, you'll see survey after survey of... Asking, how many did people... Jephthah's daughter really die? Yeah, something like that. Very nice. Well played, Hus. Thanks. I was waiting but, for it. Yeah. Uh, let me... A lot of common surveys will be like, can you name the four apostles or can you name the 12 disciples or can you name, you know, the, the five books of the Pentateuch? And on a level, that is biblical literacy, but none of that matters for the Christian life. None of it actually impacts how I live my life as a Christian. And so Bible trivia only goes so far. Now, when you when you enter the realm of the catechism, and again, Luther's small catechism, in his introduction to the small catechism, Luther writes that he intends the small catechism to be the basic information that one needs to be a Christian. It's, it's, it's a summary of scriptural truth that, that covers the most basic foundational aspects. And that's what we mean by literacy, because 
getting back to the idea of biblical literacy is people have to have a common language. They have to have a, an ability to communicate across experience so that we know what we're all going through and we can edify each other or we can hold each other accountable or we can rebuke or we can correct. And all those things that the New Testament especially describes as specifically Christian activities in the church. And that's a major purpose of the catechism right especially the like with the small catechism is it it gives us a common language um it gives us a common way of talking about uh not only our salvation but also our christian life and so it it gives us those terms and that and that language to speak about um to speak about our faith you know in in biblical ways and in and in common language so if we are all learning from the small catechism and we and we memorize the language of it you know we have a way to communicate with each other like this is what we're talking about and and but it also helps us um again like as has been said to to give biblical expression to our you know understanding our salvation in our christian life it helps us with the to make sure that our our language is consistent with the scriptures and that we're not uh just kind of making up our own terms or uh, misunderstanding the scriptures, so it, it has that that purpose and value to it. Yeah, and, and you've covered one of the well, the first big straw man that's used against using something like the catechism to instruct people in the Christian faith is people say, "Well, why not just go to the Bible?" And there's always this fear that the creeds and the confessions supersede or replace scripture. But they're meant to summarize scripture and to categorize scripture for us. That you, everything that comes out of the catechism flows from scripture. You can find spots in scripture that it directly refers to. Uh, and in that way, Luther's catechism for the Christian life operates for us at least on three separate levels. So it communicates the specific information you know, which is, you know, likely what you memorized in confirmation. If you were confirmed, it's the, you know, you shall have no other gods, and then we should fear, love, and trust God above all things. Or, you know, if you go to the explanation to the third article of creed, you have the reflex, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe, but that the Holy Spirit has called me, you know, all of those things. That content is important because it summarizes the Christian faith. But Luther wasn't content to leave it at content. He wasn't content to let it be uh, an instruction manual. The, the catechism also gives us the pattern for thinking about the Christian life. So Luther reordered the Catholic catechism. Uh, and the, the, the flow of the catechism is immensely important in the Lutheran church. So uh, it goes from law, the Ten Commandments, to gospel and the creed, to prayer, and then you have the sacraments, which uphold everything with the assurance of salvation. And then it closes with a section on vocation. And it really gives us the pattern for living out the Christian life on a day-to-day -day basis. But then even beyond that, every section of the catechism gives us principles that we can relate both back to scripture for interpretation and then apply to our life. And so that the Ten Commandments aren't just the Ten Commandments, but they teach us how the law functions. And, and the creed isn't just what we confess about God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, which is great. It teaches us how God functions with the gospel. And, and so yeah, all of this is important, which is why catechesis isn't just rote memorization, although that's important. It, it's giving you a pattern and a structure to interpret the Christian life through.
yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about this more when we get there. But just as an example, with the Ten Commandments, if you you know look at each of them, you look at their explanations that Luther gives them. He is very consistent with his language, right? So, first commandment, you know, you shall know other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And then each of the next commandments begins with, we should fear and love God so that we either do this or don't do that. And that is built on the understanding that how is it that we fear, love, and trust in God? Well, that comes through faith, right? So each of the commandments is kept by the Christian through faith. Through right? faith. So. So just as an example, like even just in structure that way, when we learn that, oh, okay, that helps me understand that as I, you know, as I go about trying to keep the law, which I, as a Christian, which I should, because it teaches me how to love my neighbor, right? I understand that none of that merits any righteousness or favor before God, but that comes flowing out of the salvation that God has given me through faith in Jesus Christ. And so it helps me to rightly understand the relationship between my righteousness before God, my standing before God, and how I, you know, in my efforts to love and serve my neighbor. And it helps me understand how to keep that straight in my mind. Oh, it's only through faith in Christ that I can actually do these commandments and actually do good works and love and serve my neighbor. And so just even just as an example like that that's uh one way that the content of the catechism helps us to understand the christian life well exactly and luther at no point in time gives us room for works righteousness with the ten commandments but kind of to build on what you're saying and, and i'll try to do this as fast as possible because i know we're running out of time if you want to talk about the patterns of the catechism the, the ten commandments is the perfect place to start and the, the way i teach the ten commandments when i teach it in my congregation and to my students is i teach it like it's a five layer cake okay there are five separate patterns the ten commandments teach us about the christian life and so the, the first one is what i call the gloss and and that is the easy cheap what am I doing if I'm obeying this commandment sort of response to the sinful nature? And so uh, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. The gloss of the first commandment, as long as I don't worship any statues, I'm okay. Right. Or the, uh, the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The, the gloss of the, the, the third commandment, as long as I don't do anything on Sunday, I'm okay. You know, so there are 10 glosses to the commandments. But then Luther goes deeper in the large catechism, and, and it's just a genius move on Luther's part. He teaches every time the commandments prohibit a behavior, they also promote the opposite behavior. Or every time they promote a behavior, they prohibit the sinful behavior. So those are the next two layers. Every commandment prohibits a vice and promotes a virtue. And so like the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother, it promotes all authority as God given but it prohibits anarchy that the the principle of authority uh in the world isn't based on power it's based on god's good order so that like in romans 13 christians are able to confess that even bad government is a gift from god because it's better than no government at all and so those are the first three the the fourth layer of the commandments is that there's an entitlement for the self-righteous so when we think we're obeying the commandments, we corrupt 
the commandments into a promise. So uh, the, the, the easiest way to do this, take the seventh commandment. You shall not steal. The corruption, the self-righteous corruption of the seventh commandment is wealth. It's the prosperity gospel move. That if I think I'm doing well enough, God promises me riches. And it's an entitlement. And then the final layer, the most important layer of the Ten Commandments, going back to what you were saying, Ben, about the gospel, is that there is a specific gospel fulfillment of every commandment in Christ. So that, like the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. And there's there, there are ten gospel promises where Jesus fulfills the law for us. And, and, and that's the kind of structure Luther gives so that we're never stuck with, oh, I've got the Ten Commandments memorized. I don't need the catechism anymore. There's always more depth and riches to mine out of the Christian life just based on the basics of Christianity. And another thing that's interesting, too, is that, you know, you start out with the first commandment, you know, and you're like, OK, this is dealing with idolatry. Right. And then. By the time you get down to the the final commandments with coveting, and you realize, well, St. Paul tells us that coveting is idolatry, and it's like, yep, oh, over, all they're all again. they're all connected. So, yep. so then what James says is exactly right. If I have broken one, I've broken them all, right? Because they're all intimately connected to each other, and they're all reflective of the perfect will of God. And so, it's just it's interesting to see them as a uh, so interconnected and a cohesive whole in that way that you know it's not just like okay well i get a seven out of ten because i did seven of them or you know it's a this is this is the whole it's an all or nothing thing. <laughs> yep. our brains don't generally go to that all or nothing thing right <clears throat> we we would think seven out of ten is pretty good i'd be happy if i got a 5.1 when it comes to the ten commandments our brain usually goes to the how close can i walk the line before it actually is a sin i always love that with our with my uh conference there we get to the 10 commandments and inevitably there's at least one kid who's like yeah i'm good i can keep all those no problem and i'm like oh we have so much to learn and really what they're doing is that scene you know where jesus is talking to the lawyer right before um the good Samaritan parable. And he's like, do all these things, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself. And he's like, Oh, I've done all these things. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, man. And then he's like, but who is my neighbor? And really what he's asking is like, where's the loophole, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I feel like that's, that's where we fall in line where the catechism is so important is that it teaches us that there are no loopholes because we're nailed to the wall and we're sinners and we need God's grace in order to move forward in any direction. Nope. Yeah. It's well, like it, the, the rich young ruler too, right? You know, yeah, I've, I've kept all those commandments, Jesus. And he's like, okay, go sell everything <laughs> you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And like, Oh, but he, said, <laughs> he says, get rid of your idol and then we'll be good. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with the good Samaritan, the question, when we ask who is my neighbor, it's always what we're asking is who isn't my neighbor? Who don't yeah. I have to love? Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Well, I was going to ask the question, uh, since the catechism is is the basics of the Christian faith, how is it that we never move beyond it? But Jason and Ben, you guys knocked that out of the park for us. Mm-hmm. We, we never we never get past it. We never get past the basics and the and the depths of of what's in there can be mined forever and ever. So if you uh if you haven't picked up your catechism in a few years, hey, do a little bit of reading. This is some this is some good, excellent stuff. And uh, and hopefully we'll have Jason on to teach us. Can I actually hire you to teach the Ten Commandments to my confirmation kids? My uh, my time right now is completely and one hundred percent booked up. Sorry, but uh, what's your hourly rate though? I'm sure we can get enough money in there, right? <laughs> well, uh, I tell you what, you can listen to the first like a hundred sixty episodes of my podcast, and I think that's what, what it took us to cover the the, the, right. the catechism. Let's get that plug in. What's yeah. the name of that podcast? Being Lutheran. That's right. And where can people and, find your dissertation if they want to check it out? Uh, you're going to have to search for uh, Jason Goodham Major Applied Project. It's on a couple of academic websites, but I don't have them handy. Uh, but if you search for my name and then Major Applied Project, uh, in the Doctor of Ministry degree, they don't call it a thesis. They call it a Major Pride pro- Applied Project because it requires you to do field research instead of just academic research. Hmm. So, I'm sure we could find it. Maybe we could post it in the comments. Is that allowed, Jason? Are you okay with that? Or yeah, I just I just out? literally just emailed it to Matt. So if he wants to uh, upload that for you guys, that's just fine. Sweet, cool. Matt, you're hired. I will email <laughs> it to God's Word during Exile at gmail dot com. We got it in there. No, no space. We got it in there. That's awesome. And if you're uh, um, for next week or next episode, um, if you're wanting to follow along, try to find a Luther's small catechism. Almost any of them will do. But we're going to be following the uh, Concordia Publishing House one, even though my church uses the Free Lutheran Ambassador Publications one. You all be guys use the red Red uh, CLBA catechism. We had a couple reasons for that, but uh, it's just probably going to be the most helpful to use that one for our study. But almost any of them are going to be easy to follow along with. So hopefully you can do that with us. Yeah, Awesome. Jason, thanks for joining us again. Um, I can tell just from this first introductory episode, uh, we're going to want you back on if any of your time opens up because you'll be a wealth of knowledge and information for us as we do catechism stuff. 100%. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. All right, Matt, will you close us up in a word of prayer? Let's do it. Lord, we uh, thank you for your word, and we just pray that you would uh, give us a hunger and thirst uh, after righteousness that uh, can be found in your holy word. And we pray that uh, we would desire to know it and study it and that you'd provide good catechesis for us. We each need it. And, uh, We recognize that your church and individual Christians around the world are struggling with biblical illiteracy and having not been catechized. Um, And we just pray, Lord, that you'd help us with that. We know that that puts our faith in jeopardy um, as we are maybe built on a shaky foundation. And um, uh, when we don't know your word um, and and don't know how to understand that and apply that to our life. And so we just pray that you'd help us to train up our children and grandchildren, our congregations, uh, our neighbors, any uh, anybody, Lord, that we can 
Uh, and for us individually to always understand that we will never be done um, uh, learning about and appreciating the beauty of uh, the, the truth of the gospel and of Jesus Christ and, and your word. And there are always going to be more treasures to mine in there. And so, Lord, uh, help us to be teachable and uh, and guide us as we continue to study your word through the, the catechism and uh, may it be very fruitful. Uh, we uh, trust in your word and spirit and uh, thank you especially for the grace of Jesus uh, which covers our sin. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks guys. See ya. Thank you.